Friday afternoon is here, and you know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the Fight HQ Podcast. Of course, I am Jason Foyt, always joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr., talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And, of course, you know we're here to talk about tomorrow's UFC fight card as Pete tomorrow starts a run of 11 straight weeks of UFC events. The next time we don't have a UFC event, 420. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm I, I really like it, you know, when we go on these aggressive stretches of fights, you know, and, and we complain about, you know, the uh, the level of skill from card to card, but at least we do have fights. So, um, you know, it, it's it's fine, and it's a strategic absence from the promotion, from the holidays, past the new year a little bit, and then they start ramping up as the year goes on. So I'm here for it. I, I'm here for fights every weekend. Hey, man, Hinato Mancano. I, I, he might be my favorite fighter at this point. Did you hear his quotes this week? Oh, about the eight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, was, this was his quote. This is a fight night. No one gives a shit about fight night. So it doesn't matter if it's a co-main event, main event or prelims. Who gives a fuck, bro? It's just a cheap way to put on UFC on ESPN. So, hey, Dana White, I'd rather be on UFC 299, but I don't make the rules. I'm an employee and on February 3rd. I will beat Drew Dober. It doesn't matter if it's in the apex. Another thing is no one likes the Apex, my brother. You can ask anybody in the world. The fans hate the Apex and the fighters. I'm pretty sure they don't like the Apex, too. The UFC has so many fighters right now, they have to make so much fights that it makes sense. Apex, ESPN, but if you ask me, I'd be happy to fight in the Apex. No way, brother. No way. And then he ends with this. If you like me, that's okay. But if you don't like me, fuck you and I don't care. <laughs> I love Boy like, How do you like? How are you not a Hanato Moicano fan? Uh, I've I've been a Hanato Moicano fan since he stepped up on short notice against Rafael dos Anjos, and even prior to that was a, you know, he was a a prospect that we had high hopes for, and then he's his chin just hasn't necessarily checked out in some matchups, but uh, he's great on the mic, and, and him being excellent on the mic has carried over into the podcast world, and. Uh, now, now you see it. The media is starting to get behind him, and I like it. I like Hanato Moicano a lot, and especially because he's outspoken. And, uh, you know, his English is great. I love it. Yeah, man. When I saw those quotes earlier this week, I'm like, Hanato Moicano, you have literally gone to the top of the ladder, my favorite fighter, just because you are out here just speaking the truth. Of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode. Of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. That really does help us out a lot. Of course, if you're not subscribed to the channel, hit that subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you know when we are here live on the channel. Typically, we're here on Fridays, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Sometimes that might be on a Thursday based on myself and Pete's schedule. Of course, if you got any questions, you can line those up in the chats if you uh, send us a super chat. Uh, your question will go to the top of queue. Of course, also you can join our Discord channel. Totally free to join. Great conversation in there. One of the things that we did, uh, at least I should say I did this week, is this was actually a suggestion from a listener about wanting to have the standings for the Fight HQ contest over on DraftKings. And uh, right now, Spencer SPN is uh, the leader in the pack as he's got 1,100 points through two weeks. Uh, Sledge Daddy is in third and Epe El Dahl is in third, and I'm in fourth. Where I, I guess? Where, oh, there, there's Pete yeah. in thirteenth place. Yeah, thanks, Jason. You 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 make this leaderboard, and uh, you know my aggressive lineups in our tournament are totally not working out. But hey, it's all right. It, it is nice to see the community in there. Um, see who's killing it. Um, 
you know, I still say that Jason and I are at a significant disadvantage in that tournament. So that's why I have to try to get super, super different. But um, no, it's it's really cool. I, I don't care about the leaderboard at all. I, I love seeing the fact that you guys are, um, you know, week in and week out joining the uh, the Fight HQ contest, um, you know, bantering back and forth through the Discord channel, which is free to join in the description below. And it's just nice. It's nice to see where everybody's head's at. And uh, hopefully on some of these weeks when you guys are crushing it in the Fight HQ contest that you're putting those same lineups in the GPPs. Because I'll tell you what, they're pretty sharp from, from week in and week out. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to take down some GPPs as I, I've uh, had to spend a little bit of money this week, so uh, trying to recruit some of that money and hopefully take down some GPPs. Uh, did some mass entries in there yesterday, and uh, I, I haven't really put together outside of I, I put an initial uh, lineup together for the fight shoot contest. I haven't put together my multi entries. I always like to hear what Pete's thoughts are on some of these fights, which underdogs that he's looking at, and see what disagreements that we potentially have. One in in. And I mentioned about this, that the leaderboard came from a comment here on YouTube. Someone was asking about that. And so we always love to hear comments. And one of the things I want to know from our listener base is as sports betting has become more legalized throughout the United States, have you, I, I just wonder, have you found yourself playing more on in the sports book than DFS or has it not changed? That's why I, I would really be interested to know from our listeners uh, of how, where, where you, you take your, your sports entertainment uh, money. Is it mostly DFS? Is it mostly gambling? Is it 50, 50, or is there one or the other that uh, you spend a little bit more money on? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I'm probably, you know, going to speak on how a lot of people are starting to feel is I, I got into all this because of DFS. You see the great prize pools um, from all sports and it's very difficult to make, you know, five, six figures off of betting, you know, on one card alone. But if you have the correct GPP lineup, you can take down $100,000. You can take down $50,000. Um, so that is really, really enticing. And it's essentially a lottery ticket that we are watching unfold, you know, each and every week with the UFC cards. And it's fun. It is fun. Um, I do think that the community has gotten a lot sharper as more data has come out, of course, um, whereas it's becoming more of a hardcore and less casual type of event. I will say that consistently, and if I'm trying to be smart, I'm leaning more towards the betting standpoint just from how to how to increase my bankroll, um, whereas DFS, I'm viewing as that home run. Uh, I'm going up there and I'm swinging for the fences, and uh, it is nice, and it's amazing when you take down a GPP. I haven't been able to take down a big GPP for MMA, oddly enough, um, but uh, I'm hoping it's coming, and I, I still really love DFS. I hope that the sport, DFS, Daily Fantasy Sports, doesn't start dying out, but I don't blame people if they're just going to resort to betting. I, I think it's a much easier way to get involved. It's a more casual type of way to live bet sometimes. You see how people are. It's fun, right? And you don't have to have crazy amounts of lineups and go through a crazy process to bet necessarily yeah. whereas for dfs you have to be pretty thorough yeah yeah i know that, that's one of the things it, it was just something i thought of earlier this week and you know kind of as i think i've seen a lot of changes in, in dfs over, over the yeah. past couple of months and it's just something that i thought of and it was one of those things of like and i mentioned this pete uh, earlier this week i was like I, I really just want to know what our listeners think about this and then, and obviously maybe if you're in a state that doesn't have sports betting maybe dfs is a way to go but pete you bring up a really great point you know you want to sit there and make a hundred thousand dollars one night gambling you gotta you better have a huge ass bankroll or you better just like go hit that lottery 
lottery ticket with that 14 leg parlay. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, you have to, you have to be a little bit aggressive from a, uh, a betting standpoint of, uh, you know, prop, like imagine like when, when I'm putting these awesome props in our discord channel, which is free to join. And I hit that, what was it? 4,000 to one, you know, round three submission from, I forget what the hell the guy's name was. Um, but he hit and I, I put like super small money. I put like $5, but imagine like if you were yeah. aggressive and you put more than that, I mean, it, that that's the way to make crazy money when it comes to, to betting. Um, or if you just try to get all the fights correctly as like, you know, some other podcasts do and the, like Cody Saftik and Paul Shaughnessy with the, with the PRP, like that's, that's really difficult to do. Um, and credit to them when they nail that thing. Because trying to get every fight or almost all the fights correctly is is a very difficult task. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's why I always talk about, you know, towards the end of the show, I talk about sprinkles, you know, and when yeah. we're talking about props. And, you know, maybe if you, you like a certain fighter and you think they're going to win by submission or knockout, and maybe you think their opponent is going to gas, maybe you look at a round three type prop mm-hmm. where you may get, 20 to one type odds but yeah that's that's one of those things of and, and of course we all we all know how this industry goes no one loves a bet oh no one loves a bet unders and overs you know where, wherever the sport may be uh but we'll see how this one goes now we talk about let's move in the game theory p as we talk about ufc vegas 85 here of course even off and delidze is our main event 86 and 7600 both there uh in terms of, of draft kings but like this is one of those weeks where i look at all these nine thousand options and like I, I would not say I'm absolutely in love with these 9,000 options in, in terms of fantasy score upside. Like, like Natalia Sylvia at 9,500, it's a huge price tag for a huge step yeah. up in competition based on who she's been facing. Of course, Vivian Rouge will be fighting uh, the top of this division. Uh, you know, I look at someone like a, a Molly McCann at 9,300. I, I think there are some legitimate concerns uh, of where she's at this point in her career. I mean, I would say probably the, the 9,000 option I probably feel I might feel the most cumbersome with is Garimbo. Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I think that when you put confidence next to some of these 9,000 options, Natalia Silva jumps off the page. Like I, I'm really confident in her going forward against almost everybody within the division. I understand it's a tough task against Vivian uh, Araujo, a uh, big step up of competition, but she is older, uh, she is slower, and she does fade as the fight goes on. Can she pay off that hefty price tag? I don't necessarily think so, right? Like, uh, she'd have to either get her out of there quickly or put together ridiculous volume. Definitely possible. Um, I would probably say that Molly McCann is one of my least favorites just because of the uncertainties uh, that you know are included when, when you know with her coming off back-to-back defeats. Uh, her fight IQ at times is questionable at best. Now she's trying to dip her toe into the 115-pound weight class. What, I, I don't like this, Jason, and you know that I say this all the time is when I see these fighters trying to go down rather than go up as their careers go on. Mm-hmm. It reminds me like how Frankie Edgar used to dominate at 155, then started talking about going to 45, and then possibly 135. So it's like searching for answers to reclaim that dominance or reclaim that form, and I just don't necessarily see it. I, I mean, we did see Belbitza score decently well, what, five-plus years ago in the, when their first – when they first fight or however long it was, um, you know, I like Randy Brown's skill set, but his finishing skills, despite what his records say, he's been very patient at times and he's volatile. So 9,100, he's okay. It comes down to two grapplers for me, and that's Garimbo and Urbina, kind of like 1A and 1B. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Urbina has been super volatile at times, but man, that pace yeah. that he puts on and Garimbo's wrestling, at least I know 
whether this guy's going to get knocked out, I don't care. He goes out there and he knows he needs to lace up those wrestling shoes each and every fight. And that's something that I can count on is him having the wrestling and going to it, whereas some of these guys that have the wrestling are just gun-shy about pulling the trigger. Yeah, I look at, at Pete Rodriguez this week. I mean, you, you want to talk about puncher's chance. I mean, that's where it is. But I think if Grimbo does go that, that takedown route, I, I hate to say, you know what might be the potential fight you might have to really nail on this fight card? It's got to be the Moicano and Drew Dober fight, I would imagine. What are you, what are you thinking? Storolinko and yeah. Luana Carolina. Yeah. Cause, I, mean, I mean, look, I, I – it's one of those fights that I've been looking at and saying, okay, if Storolinko gets this thing to the ground, she might submit her in one round. Or yeah. if Carolina can just keep this on the feet, she just, I mean, I feel like if one of them is optimal, I think it's Storolinko is more likely to be optimal because of the finishing upside. But I could also see Luana Carolina just peppering her from the outside. Yeah, I can see her peppering her from the outside. Um, but also she's like historically difficult to take down. It's just when she does get taken down, there's clearly a gap in the jiu-jitsu skill between Stoli Orenko and Luana Carolina. Um, but, like, we've seen, like, Stoli Orenko is, is a one-trick pony with that armbar, and she's so damn good at it. But if it fails, she's put on her back, and then she can get pounded out and reversed. And a fighter like Chelsea Chandler, who I actually thought was going to be okay, she, she dominated her. She just beat the hell out of her once she was able to defend those submissions. So, um very tricky card and not my favorite card if I'm being honest from a, a DFS standpoint because I can make the case for a lot of these underdogs, but I'm kind of like getting torn you know, from side to side on who I actually think is going to win. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at someone like a Charles Johnson who has shown his inability oh. to be able to stop a takedown. I mean, just look at his opponent. His takedown prop over on prize picks is three and a half. Yeah, and, and and looking a lot of that is obviously as we've just seen since Charles Johnson's been in the UFC, the guy can't cannot stop a takedown. But uh, we're gonna get right into the fights here. Let's get right into the main event, Pete. We've got Imovov taking on Delidze. Delidze is a plus one forty betting underdog, minus one seventy for Imovov. Uh Imovov is eighty six hundred on DK, twenty dollars on FanDuel, or Delidze is seventy six hundred on DK and seventeen dollars on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, I, I can't get Roman Delidze fights correctly. I just can't. Um he's a guy that you know, I, I don't think is the best, uh, but he keeps proving me wrong. Um, and then, like, I don't know, man. The the power's clearly there in his hands. The jiu-jitsu skills are there. The wrestling is inconsistent. Um, the cardio seems to be suspect. I'm sure that he's been working on it. I know that he's been working with some, uh, some top-tier wrestlers over in Georgia for this one. So, I don't know, man. I... I <sighs> It's difficult to see either one of these guys a part of a five-round fight, to be honest. But I do think that the volume and the footwork of Nasruddin Imovov is what's going to pull me in Nasruddin Imovov's direction. I think it could be close. Uh, but if you look at Roma Delize's fights, ones that he's done well against, it's plotting type of fighters. Marvin Vittori, you know, difficult task, but not necessarily the best footwork. Kyle Dawkins, that was against the cage. Phil Hawes. Very volatile, doesn't really move around all that much. Um, you know, that Trevin Giles fight back in 2021 kind of set like a standard for what I think Roman Delize is and kind of like capped a ceiling in my eyes. I don't know. I, I think you can just outsmart this guy, be the matador while he's the bull. And I really view Nasruddin Imovov as as the, uh, the matador here. Um, you know, we, we did see him 
step up in competition against Sean Strickland. And granted, Sean Strickland took that on short notice, but you know, it, it was nice to see him go five rounds. And even when he looked absolutely gassed, he started to turn it on late. Granted, it was a little too late to uh, to try to come back from such a gap, but you know, you you saw him rebound in his previous bout against Chris Curtis, where he was looking phenomenal, um, taking him down, and that that's a guy in Chris Curtis who has developed his takedown defense to be at a solid level. And I don't necessarily know who's going to be looking for the takedowns because Delizze is tricky on the ground. I would imagine Delizze is going to be trying to take down the uh, very mobile Nasadine Imovov. I do think that the stick-and-move approach for Imovov is going to work for 25 minutes, and uh, I think he's going to win a decision here. So um, I'm going to be picking Nasruddin Imovov, but like I told you, I'm pretty terrible at picking either one of these fighters, and uh, I will reside with the uh, slightly taller, slightly higher volume Nasruddin Imovov. I, lo- I love the question from Sam because this is a, a, a thought that I had over this week, and, and I'm pretty sure instead of saying main card, Samuel meant main event, or his question was, is this main card fight a necessity as a DFS edge? I personally think not. Optimally speaking yet, I could be wrong. And this was something when, you know, when I was initially looking at the salaries for this entire fight card and, you know, looking at fights that I probably wanted to get to, and, and the co-main event definitely is one of those fights I want to get to. I want to get to both sides of the main event. I mean, honestly, in multi-entries, I might go 50-50 just because of question marks I have on, on both guys in terms of, of being finished in a fight. But, like, I look at the main event, I just, I don't say, like, even uh, even though, for the most part, Pete, we sit here every Friday and we talk about the main event has got to be a priority. I mean, you, and you always sit here every week and say underdogs and main event, co-main event should be priorities for you. But, like, I just don't feel like the main event this week is a priority. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I am with you. I don't necessarily think so because I don't see a significant edge for either one of these guys like in the grappling or the wrestling department um i think that if the Lizze shoots takedowns and will get taken down but get back up i don't see somebody dominating in the wrestling or grappling and i think on the feet you're gonna have Imovov treat him like a punching bag at times but with no stopping power so like i don't see knockdowns i don't see a finish necessarily so if i don't see a finish and i kind of view this as pretty even and Delizze is going to be very very strong I think it's going to cap the volume a little bit uh, of just the overall output and you know in mid 80 low 90 performance at 8600 is okay it's not going to hurt you but I don't necessarily think it's going to bring you to the top yeah, I mean, when you look over prize picks, so they've got three props up on Imovov. At least these were the numbers when I, I put my sheet together earlier this morning. Yeah. Significant strike, 69.5. Fight time, 15.5. Uh, fantasy score, 100.5. If I was going to touch anything right. of those three props, I think I might be looking going more than 69.5, especially if you think this thing's going to go five rounds. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of unfamiliar with the scoring in general for prize picks when it comes to that, but 100.5 seems high. Like it yeah. seems high. Like if you think the he scores a hundred and a half, you shouldn't be fading the main event. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't at eighty six hundred. Yeah. Uh, granted, it's two different platforms, but still, like if I'm if I'm avoiding Imovov and I think he wins, I think he needs to score less than ninety five. 
I will say this: if you are playing over on Price Picks, and if you're someone that uh, wants to put some, you know, have some props over there on Super Bowl, I know there is a uh, a freebie over there with Patrick Mahomes of a, a half passing yard in the Super Bowl. So if you're looking, maybe put those four or five, you know, six legs together on Price Picks. That's a great one to give you because I mean, look, it can be very. Di- I, and I say this: like for me, Price Picks, I like to do two and three player lines in, in MMA. I, I really don't like to go more than that. I mean, yeah, I'll get crazy every once in a while and throw a five six legger out there but they're really hard to hit i mean it's just it's you know it's no different than trying to hit you know a five leg parlay if you're betting on something so uh but that that's something to look over there now the co-main event which to me i think should be the main event even before what mcconnell said earlier this week i thought this was the best fight on the card and that being hanato mcconnell and drew dober Uh, mcconnell is a minus 190 betting fair plus 160 for dober dober 7800 on dk 12 dollars on fanduel mcconnell he is 8400 on dk and 18 dollars on fanduel pete yeah, this fight's going to be fireworks, right? Like, I have a really hard time avoiding this fight, if I'm being honest. Like, the, the, the fight is probably not going the distance and probably going one of two ways. Drew Dober by, uh, by knockout or Hanato Moikano via submission. And we've seen um, deficiencies in both fighters' games. Um, Hanato Moikano has been knocked out several times. Drew Dober, despite his experience in MMA clearly just does not have the same grappling skills as the rest of the division. And, uh, you know, he's a striker, big southpaw striker, throws that left hand, throws great combinations, can strike on the outside, excellent overall kickboxing. His durability is starting to, uh, starting to deplete as time goes on because he's so willing to get into wars and has confidence in that left hand. Um, Hanato Moicano, you know, I, I do think that his striking skill is, almost up there with drew dober but the durability is something that makes me a little bit you know concerned about rostering too much hanato moicano because uh if he does not land the takedown or say he lands the takedown and drew dober gets back up then i do think that you know he could be a sitting duck for that left hand that hafield dos Anjos landed numerous times um we, we've seen jose aldo uh the korean zombie hafiel faziv I mean, we've seen a lot of people, but all the fighters that I mentioned are all championship type of caliber. So it doesn't matter, though. You know what I mean? Sometimes power doesn't discriminate. And I, I think that Drew Dober's power is is up there with some of the best within the division. So I'm going to lean in one direction. And it's just because I do think that the skills are there and he can avoid a little bit of the power. And he, all he needs is one grappling exchange. This is why, like, I'm really, really torn on this fight. And, like, for our for our contest, I might even avoid the fight because I really don't know how it's going to go. And I know that probably half the field is going to be on one, half's going to be on the other. And perhaps it happens in round two or round three and doesn't, you know, give us the best score. But I, I do think that Hanato Moicano's jiu-jitsu is so gross that if he takes Drew Dober down once, I think it's curtain. So um, I'm going to lean towards Hanato Moicano because I do tend to favor, slightly favor a grappler in a close fight. Um, and, you know, Drew Dober's just the, the grappling IQ is not there. And it's not there at all. And I, I tend to wonder, like, if it hits the mat, can he get up without giving up his back? Can he get up without putting himself in a terrible position? It did take, you know... It, it, it did take Islam Mahachev three rounds to get rid of Drew Dober, but I, I 
I think jujitsu skill sets sometimes are different, and Hanato's jujitsu is uh, pretty up there. So I'll slightly lean towards Hanato Moicano at 8400, but hell of a fight, hell of a fight to to target 8400 or 7800. I, I think that you know you need one of them in your lineups. Look, I agree with everything you said there. <laughs> I couldn't really yeah. say it better myself. I mean, it, it's one of those things of. You know, I can see how this fight doesn't get off. Also, you know, like beginning of the show, we always talk about game theory. And if you're getting in these big contests, whether, you know, it's, it's you know, one of the 150 max or it's a $3 or the, or the $18 one, I could very much see where you go, you know what, let me get a little bit less on the field. I mean, looking at ownership projections right now, you, you kind of, you do look at Drew Dober and you say, man, I, and I don't care whether you're talking on DraftKings or you're talking on FanDuel. I mean, FanDuel just looking at ownership projections right now, you want to get different in the field? I know it's a crazy thought. Put Drew Dober as MVP. He's literally yeah. getting next to nothing ownership at MVP. I mean, and I could, the one, and you, you bring up a ton of great points about the grappling abilities and grappling, the grappling abilities of Anato Mancano and the grappling deficiencies of Drew Dober. But on the other hand, I, I have questions about Mancano's chin. Yeah. But the but the other thing about Hinato Bencano, you look at his losses, it doesn't matter if it's 45 or 55, it is the elite of either division where Drew Dober has, you know, doesn't have the resume that Hinato Bencano has. I mean, it's I think I think it's a fascinating fight. Um looking over prize picks, so you have four props on Hinato Bencano, significant strikes 37 and a half, fight time seven and a half, takedowns one and a half, fancy score eighty and a half. Like if you really love Hinato Bencano to win this fight. I would just go after the fancy score of eight and a half, just because I think that's the best one out there. I mean, the takedown prop, what scares me, and you just kind of basically brought this point, Pete, he may only need one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, it kind of reminds me slightly of, like, Moicano is in this position similar to Jillian Robertson two weeks ago where it's like everybody in the field is going to be on Jillian Robertson to win via submission because it's the most likely path. But I think that... If he, I mean, we've seen Drew Dober's durability start to deplete, uh, you know, the Frivola fight. Um, you just don't know when that chin's really gone. The Terrence McKinney performance, like, Moicano has a great jab. And Moicano's striking at, at a time he outproduced Calvin Cater from the outside. You know what I mean? And, and like, several other fighters where he's picking people apart. So maybe the craziest thing is that this does stay standing. And Moicano kind of picks him apart from the outside and maybe hurts him, maybe check, you know, chin checks him. Because if he wins via KO while everybody has it on submission, you know, you, you can just think that Vegas is kind of licking their chops and, and they got all that money from the submission props. Um, yeah, it's a fight that I think is going to be one hell of a fight. I expected it to be the main event. It's not, but I think it'll live up to the hype. And if you're looking for a salary saver on FanDuel, $12 through Dober is really that, that salary saver that, to me, one of the salary savers that sticks out to me. Next up, we got Randy Brown taking on Muslim Salikov. Randy Brown is a minus 280 betting favorite, plus 230 for Salikov. Salikov, 7100 on DK, $10 on FanDuel. For Randy Brown, 9100 on DK, $21 on FanDuel. I just got, here's my first question to you, Pete, before you break this one down. Do you believe Muslim Salikov is only 39 years old? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Hey, this guy looks ancient and... uh you know, he's very, very talented in the striking department, but as he's gotten older, he's become more selective with his output, which is tough for me to bet bet on. Like, I, I can't bet on a guy that's just unwilling to throw numbers. 
you know, um, and I, I yell at my my students and my fighters all the time because in the gym, if you're throwing single shot, maybe two shot combinations, when you go out under the lights, you can basically cut that in half. You're going to be throwing single shots out there. You're not going to be working your combinations. Combinations are just not naturally going to come about. You have to practice large numbers in the gym. And uh, he kind of reminds me of somebody who's just trying to find that perfect shot. He's a sniper. And granted, it's worked out really well for him. Uh, he times people really well. He has excellent spinning techniques. It's just he's older now. And timing tends to go as you get older. Speed tends to go. Um, and I just think the reaction time of Muslim Salikov in a fight where he has an eight-inch reach disadvantage is not going to work for him. Uh, I know that there has been volatility surrounding Randy Brown. I do view this fight as a, as a, a mismatch given where they are in their careers. 33, rude boy Randy Brown um, fought some top-tier guys. Wellington determined decision, okay. Uh, lost to Jack Della Maddalena, no fault in that. Trinaldo win, Chaos Williams split, Jared Gooden win. Um, meanwhile, Muslim Salikov lost to Nicholas Dalby, who's a pace pusher, uh, beat Andre Fialo. Lost to Jing Liang, and then a win over Trinaldo and a split over Eliza uh, Zaleski Dos Santos. So, I I think the reach is going to be too much. I think Randy Brown will touch him from the outside, drop him with a with a right hand, en route to finishing him. Um, everybody's expecting this to go the distance, and I almost think that Randy Brown's going to turn it up. Yeah, I was just uh, about to pull up the uh, what the uh, fight goes to the distant profits add on that one um but uh before i get there talk about uh overall prize picks i, I definitely agree with pretty much a lot you do say there uh, in terms of this one but overall prize picks you got randy brown he is at 66 and a half significant strikes 14 and three quarters fight time 88 and a half and look if you think he's going to get muslim salikoff out there to me the fight time profit is the one that you look at the most there pete yeah i mean i, I definitely think that you know you you look on paper it Seems like a fight that's going to go the distance. Um, I just think the the range and the reach advantage for Randy Brown is going to work wonders for him here. Um, not to mention that I do think the the willingness to grapple will be there from both sides, and I do think the better grappler is Randy Brown. Better jujitsu guy is Randy Brown. Um, so we could also see a submission happen. It doesn't even have to be necessarily a knockout. Um, but yeah, I tend to. I tend to really like Randy Brown fights. I, I like really like him, and maybe it's just uh, I'm a little um, biased towards his skill set, but the skills check out, and I don't think that Salikov's going to chin him here. Yeah, I just look over best fight odds. Uh, a lot of the books are pretty much the same with this fight goes to the distance at minus 135. Fight doesn't go the distance, plus 100. Uh, if you if you think the fight does go the distance, the best book, uh, at least they have there, minus 126 over FanDuel Sportsbook. So, and and I've, I say this on the show all the time. I, I think that's one of the things to always look at is is look at the betting odds. Look at the props. Yeah. And just kind of and, and see what the betting public is thinking. And, and look at those line, line movements to see kind of where the line movements have happened there. But uh, we'll see what happens there. Next up, we got a female matchup. We got Natalia Silva taking on Viviana Rujo. Uh, Natalia Silva is a minus 370 betting favorite, plus 280 for Viviana Rujo. Rujo, 6700 on DK, $8 on FanDuel. For Natalia Silva, 9500 on DK, $23 on FanDuel. Pete, like, you, you love the style of Natalia Silva, but, man, I, I wonder, have we, this price point, how much does it scare you? 
Yeah, I really, really like Natalia Silva. Um, from a DraftKings standpoint, I don't know. I don't love the the salary of Natalia Silva at all. I mean, ninety five hundred, it's kind of tough, right? Like last week, Jasmine Jasuda Vicious, or two weeks ago, whatever it was, three weeks ago, um, she has a wrestling ceiling, whereas Natalia Silva, she's traditionally a striker. She can wrestle. She could do everything. Um, but like within her career, you've seen that you know when she did face some adversity in her career was when she was taken down when she was put on her back um so basically all her wrestling is defensive and uh, you know it's tough to have a high striking ceiling unless you're going to go out there and end the fight within one minute which quick win bonus is always live could it happen sure uh outside of that could you throw 400 significant strikes I, i mean it's possible and she could still break the slate given her total and significant strike outputs but I just don't see it. I mean, at 9,500, it's somewhat, you know, it, it, it's restrictive based on your builds. Um, it's a parlay piece. I think Natalia Silva is going to have this fight. It's a great, it's a great test for her within her career, though, because like Vivian Araujo has fought Caitlin Jukagan despite losing, has a win over Andrea Lee, you know, fought and lost to Alexa Grasso and Amanda Hibas, um, and most recently beat Jennifer Maya, but like. I don't know, man. Like, if Natalia Silva can defend these takedowns, I, I think that the clear striking advantages for Natalia Silva, the speed, the volume, the youth and athleticism. So, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy to see that Natalia Silva is 27. Meanwhile, Vivian Araujo is 37. So, uh, you know, I just think it's kind of appropriate. It, it's a it's a tough fight. Get this girl up the rankings. Number eight Araujo against number 12 uh, Natalia Silva and. Uh, I think they're going to swap spots here, and Natalia Silva is going to get a decision victory. Yeah, I was just looking at MMA Junkie. It looks like um, Vivian Rujo is one of two fighters so far who has not stepped onto the scale. I was just uh, checking one of the timelines oh of one of the uh, one of the reporters I know is there, and uh, Amy Kaplan has not put anything up on her. So that's a uh, you got to, that that weigh in window is coming to a close here soon. And um, is that two? Yeah. Uh, by, by the way, you, you, we love to, uh, you know, we love to find comedy in um, MMA. So we got Aaron Bronster who's uh, up there in Canada, now works for um, T. Uh, now, he used to be with uh, TSN, he's now with Sportsnet. So, you know, we have the, you know, the, the box when athletes have to, you know, strip down to make weight. So it is now sponsored by Riz Pharma which is the UFC's official erectile dysfunction and hair loss medication partner. Come on, dog. <laughs> what the hell? This shit happens in MMA. That is the Pro- only product, way to describe this. this product shit placement, happens. right? <laughs> product placement. What the hell? Do you remember Dude. when, like, the condoms, like, everybody was sponsored by the condoms everywhere? Condom Depot, man. You don't remember that? Yeah, everybody. Everybody had Condom Depot on their on their trucks, and it was like, what the hell is going on? Bro, bro when, when I was in college, we had this this place in uh, the party district. They literally had a barrel of free condoms that you could just literally yeah. go in and grab one. Yeah, they had that in our college as well, which, you know, I totally support that. That's good. That's great. Yeah. Uh, su- supporting all that stuff. It's just funny the products and the companies that want to get behind MMA fighting. It's just hilarious. Yeah. But, I mean, but overall my, my thought on Silver Rujo is I just don't love the price point because I just don't, 
you know, you need a finish. You need Natalia Silva to go out there and, and get a quick, you know, a finish within two rounds. I think if you get to, now, I would say this on the betting side, if you think that maybe Vivian Rujo slows down in that late second, third round, maybe you start to look at those round three props on Natalia Silva. In terms of this one there, you can get a pretty good number there. Let's move over to our next matchup. You got Kiriev and Murdov. Murdov plus 125, minus 150. Kiriev, he is 8,800 on DK, $16 on FanDuel. And then, um, Murdov is seventy four hundred on DK and fourteen dollars on FanDuel. Pete, I tell you what, knee jerk reaction. I saw Murdov as a dog. I'm like, dude, sign me up. But I, I had to like kind of pump the brakes a little bit because I think my previous breakdown and previous uh, perception of Mahmoud Murdov was when he was breaking onto the scene massive beautiful record of 26 and 8 right like it's like okay that's that's huge for mma and that's very very impressive um his striking skill set's great at times though like it's kind of like all right when's that finish coming and you know eventually it did happen against trevor smith then he followed it up by knocking out andrew sanchez who had all the wrestling in the world and chose to strike for years upon end um you know and then he was doing great against gerald mearshart you know, Price as they one of the biggest favorites ever. And then, you know, makes a mistake, gets his back taken and shows zero grappling IQ and making very fundamental mistakes on the mat, getting rear naked choked by G, uh, GM3. And GM3 does that to so many people, but usually it's guillotines. Usually it's guillotines, any types of chokes. But, you know, I, I'm a stickler and I yell at my guys cr- like crazy, okay, about turning your back to get up. It's a habit that that a lot of wrestlers have, right? Because they, they they don't enjoy or they're, they're so accustomed to. They hit the mat, can't let their shoulders get square on the mat, can't get pinned, have to belly down. Bellying down kind of carries over into MMA, and that belly down is just a slight moment of you exposing your back. And a lot of guys do it as a bailout to, to you know escape a takedown against the cage too. And when you have somebody who's – a very accomplished grappler from from Russia. I don't like that. And then we saw the same same type of thing happen against a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and Kyle Bahalio. Surprisingly, didn't submit Mahmoud Muradov, but outgrappled him to a T. Then we have Mahmoud Muradov go up against a guy in Brian Barbarena who doesn't necessarily have the same jiu-jitsu chops as a lot of these other guys. And offensively, Muradov's wrestling is great defensively he can defend some it's just like there's that jujitsu lapse and i do think the jujitsu skills lie with ali ashab Hizriev, the black wolf um you know when i see this guy having four rear naked chokes against the guy who turns his back a lot when i see the fact that muradov was wet blanketed on the mat against kyle bahalio granted difficult fights and ali ashab is coming up uh you know a year and 10 months ago defeating Dennis Tolulin in round two, who is not good at grappling at all. Um, but I, I just, what I view is that Russian type of wrestling against a guy who just still is making some fundamental mistakes. They, they could totally make adjustments, and Mahmoud Muradov could sprawl and brawl his way to a Chuck Liddell knockout or decision. Um, but Ali Ashev, uh, a part of a really good camp in American top team now, I think he's going to level up, and I think that he's going to end up finding the back and and getting a rear naked choke, or just a very dominant decision. So at eighty eight hundred, 
I'm going to be picking the Black Wolf, Wolf Ali Asheb, Hizriev to uh, to beat Mahmoud Muradov. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's about kind of looking at where, from a DFS perspective, uh, of where his ownership kind of go in relation to those fires that are in the sire range around him. By the way, give a little note here. Uh, Luana Carolina has missed weight by three pounds, weighing in at 129 pounds. So be monitoring Twitter to see what's kind of going to happen with that matchup there. Uh, and you look at Alshab, uh, 46 and a half significant strike prop on, on prize picks, 10 and a half fight time minutes, and a fancy score of 90 and a half. No, uh, take no take- on, the, on the on the score. That's my favorite of those yeah. three you mentioned. All right, let's move over. Next up, we got another matchup here. We got Charles Rackey taking on Gilbert Urbina. Urbina minus two ten betting fair plus one seventy five for Charles Rackey. Urbina is nine thousand on DK, eighteen dollars on Fanduel, and for Rackey seventy two hundred on DK and twelve dollars on Fanduel. Pete. Yeah, so I, I wanted to uh, to get behind Charles Rackey a lot in his debut because I know two people that train him. Um, my, my buddy, Mike Valley flow from Valley flow striking, uh, is basically his home gym. Um, and in, in addition to that, Charles Radke was getting in a lot of work with, uh, my Muay Thai coach from out New Mexico, uh, um, you know, crew Dom and that debut Charles Radke had against blood diamond. He landed some good boxing combinations, had, had uh, blood diamond on skates at times, but man, oh man was, was like trying to survive in moments of that and they got booed out of the stadium essentially and you know resulting in one of the uh most angry post-fight speeches i've heard in quite some time um you know rad he he seems limited if i'm being honest he seems like a guy that's pretty green um good power in his hands and going up a very going up against a very volatile fighter in gilbert urbina you know urbina looks really good and kind of reminds me of uh you know several fighters throughout their career and um that look awesome offensively and they're great at being the hammer but the second they're the nail uh they they tend to give he kind of has like tj brown similarities and that's kind of who i was just trying to put my my finger on who i think he reminds me of where it's like offensively all the skills are there the wrestling's there the power the volume the pace and the cardio is there it's just like the mental lapses, and then all of a sudden, they're going to give up. Um, granted, it was a KO defeat to Treshawn Gore on The Ultimate Fighter and a rear naked choke defeat against Brian Battle on relative short notice. We saw the the potential in that previous matchup against uh, Orion Kosey here um, where he got a TKO in round two and just completely blew the doors off in that matchup and, and showed that pace, pressure, and just volume that I'm talking about. So... I, I like Gilbert Urbina here. Um, I, I think that he's less limited than Charles Radke, and I, I think that he can break down Radke over time and uh, and get him out of there. So give me uh, give me Gilbert Urbina at a pretty awesome price tag at 9000 Uh Just kind of know what you're rostering, though. Understand the volatility. Yeah, I'm with you there. And by the way, Urbina, uh, he does have a takedown prop over on prize picks at one and a half. Fantasy score, 96 and a half. And significant strikes at 55 and a half. I'd, I think I'd be looking at that takedown prop, going more than one and a half. I like that as well, Jason. Uh, next up, we got a female matchup, a rematch from, what, five years ago? Molly McCann taking on Deanna Belbiza. Belbiza is a plus 215 betting underdog, minus, one, minus 265 for McCann. McCann, 9300 on DK, $22 on FanDuel. Belbiza, 6900 on DK, and $9 on FanDuel, Pete. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I think the value is gone from Molly McCann. She is a massive, massive name, um, you know, sponsored by Barstool or or whatever. You remember they got behind her pretty big when Patty Pimlet was on the card and she hit that girl, Luana Carolina, with a you know, spin and elbow, followed it up with another spin and elbow over Hannah Goldie. Uh, that was her high. And I don't think that she's going to reach that peak again. Um, we saw her limitations and knew her limitations going up there against a grappling specialist and Aaron Blanchfield, um, who I think is going to be fighting for a title and and within that conversation for the next five years. Um, you know, and then we saw against Yulia Stoliarenko, a one one trick pony, fight IQ mistakes and mental lapses and ends up getting armbarred. Um, you know, we've seen this fight before. We, we, we've seen this fight before between Molly McCann and uh, Diana Belbitza. And Molly McCann beat the hell out of Belbitza. But Belbitza's tough. Like, Belbitza's very, very tough. And she's not going to go away. Belbitza in the first fight, it went 15 minutes. She scored 48 points in a loss. Threw 104, landed 104 significant strikes. Um, had a takedown. Uh, had 98 significant strikes, 48 in a loss, and I actually think Diana Belbitza has gotten a lot better since that time. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that the same fight's going to happen. You have Belbitza with the with the reach advantage. You have Belbitza with the height advantage. You have Molly McCann, who you know she's she's probably in really good physical shape, uh, but you know testing out a new weight class. I do think that having to cut that excess weight is, is difficult. Um, she could have done it the right way. I just think the value's gone. And I do think that there's value on 6,900 Diana Belbitza. Whether she wins the fight or not, I'm more inclined to overweight myself to Diana Belbitza than Molly McCann. I don't know if I'm on an island. Uh, but, you know, the Carolina Kovacavich fight, who she just fought, she had two takedowns, scored 58 fantasy points and a loss. Say she got that nod, which she shouldn't have. She would have got 88 fantasy points. Uh, you can always take Molly McCann down. Uh, Molly McCann can mix, mix in takedowns in her own right, but I do think that Diana Belbitza has improved a lot more, you know, up until this point than Molly McCann. It's almost like Molly McCann has kind of, you know, stagnated a little bit, plateaued. So I'm going to say that this fight's going to be really close or closer than obviously the previous one. And if I think that vault that the values on one side versus the other, shoot, man, I guess I'll just pick her. I'm gonna pick Diana Belbitza to upset Molly McCann. Uh, I I can see Molly McCann still getting the nod and still winning, but uh, this could be my fighter in a loss that scores decently well. So give me Diana Belbitza. Um, you're not on island, Pete. You're not, you're not on island this one. I mean, one of the things is I think if Molly is able to utilize her wrestling, I think that's going to be the key for her. But, yes. you know, my, my thought is, and you you bring up a tremendous point about the, the value on Molly McCann is there. Plus, the other thing about this one is I think you just kind of got two fighters who are very much at the end of the, the line here. And so and it's just it's a weird matchup to me. It's very. just a weird matchup. Well, you know how rematches go, right? Like they tend to be sometimes that it's the same fight plays out, but a lot of times it's closer and that underdog or that, that person who lost in the first one makes those correct adjustments. And who's hungrier right now? I would probably say Diana Belbitza is hungrier to get a win over uh, somebody who beat her, who has a big notable name. Um, 
so yeah, it, maybe it's just my DFS analysis talking where like in 150 maxes, you should be way overweight to Diana Belbitza and way underweight to Molly McCann, given the the, the cap on McCann ceiling. Uh, but I'll ride with it. I'll, I'll ride with the pick still and say Belbitza wins. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. The, we, we're just talking about, you know, the takedown abilities. And our next matchup, we got a guy who, well, he can't stop a takedown. Uh, Charles Johnson uh, taking on Azat. Azat is a minus 245 betting fair, plus 200 for Johnson. Johnson, 7,300 on DK, $11 on FanDuel. And on the other side, you got 8,900 on DK and $19 on FanDuel, Pete. Yeah, I mean, I want to pick Charles Johnson. I really do. And it came down to, am I going to pick Charles Johnson or am I going to pick Diana Belbitza? And it's like, fool me once. Fool me twice. Fool me three times. You ain't fooling me four times. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know, bro. I mean, like, I can't I can't be go, keep going back to this energy Charles Johnson type of vibe where it's almost like he, he knows what he needs to do, but he doesn't apply it. He knows the adjustments he needs to make, but he just doesn't do them. He thinks that he's winning a fight when he's most likely losing a fight. You know, like, every now and then you get this damage versus control argument that happens, and, you know, I'm all for it. I, I tend to always side with the guy who's winning larger you know moments of a round or larger moments of a fight and i think for the majority of it azat maxim despite not necessarily having a great debut against tyson nam who's a hell of a fighter to take down and i actually thought that you know maxim probably lost that bout um i think he's not going to have as much resistance in the wrestling department and you know i think if you kind of critique azat maxim's performance it's you didn't go to the wrestling early and often like you should have um, and, and it's probably a stylistic matchup and the, the stylistic clash between Nam and him. That's why the you know he just felt the resistance and couldn't do it. But against Charles Johnson, you'll take him down. He'll get back up, but you could take him down over and over and over. So um, do I think the better striker is Charles Johnson? Absolutely. I think that he'll light Aza Maxim up from distance. It's just at any moment maxim chains together a takedown he makes the round look a lot more competitive and charles johnson instead of like immediately defending he will almost go with the takedown and then try to work himself back up almost like try to gramby out and then work himself up and i hate this gramby role that everybody resorts to there's few people that do it correctly and there's plenty of people that just flop all over the place and then think that they're getting back up and then it's just i don't know man i, I just Fight the takedown correctly. Fight to get an underhook. Wizard correctly. Position your hips correctly. Work yourself back up. Get an underhook if you get taken down. You know, butt scoot to the cage. There's just so many things that I can poke holes at in Charles Johnson's game. I want him to win here, but uh, you have a 17 and 0 prospect and gets a guy who is battle tested at 13 and 6. I just can't pull the trigger, Jason. I'm gonna say that Azan Maxim wins a decision here and. Uh, you know, according to that takedown prop over on Prize Picks, you mentioned it's looking like they are forecasting the same type of uh, performance. Tons of takedowns, solid control en route to a decision victory. Yeah, if you're playing that that takedown prop on Prize Picks, like you you have to go more. You like you can't go under. You can't like you can't go under. Like you, yeah, like that would be that would be the most frustrating when when it hits in the first round because he's. <laughs> I'm, Look, a, I'm a, he makes me want to swear because he's just he he rolls he goes with the takedown he's like his hands are out he's not he's not going two on one to fight the hands it's like bro if there was a book that offered a takedown prop and it's three and a half what do you think that's what do you think the the under three and a half be juiced to plus 500 yeah, yeah right 
Yeah, yeah probably. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a very clear path for him in that one. Next up, we have got Rodriguez and Gorimbo. Gorimbo minus 260 plus 210 for Rodriguez. Rodriguez, 7000 on DK, $10 on FanDuel. For Gorimbo, he is 9200 on DK and $21 on FanDuel. And the MVP ownership is uh, very popular for uh, Gorimbo. Yeah, I like them with Gorimbo here. Um, do I like his striking? Not necessarily. Uh, but I, I do think that... You know, in a lot of his performances, going back to the regional tape and everything, that there are some things I like, and that's the constant pressure, the pressure and the takedowns. You know, like I really, really, really like it. It's almost Jacob Jacob Malkoon esque, where it's just consistent takedowns, and they know what they do well, so they go back to it. Jacob Malkoon, everybody's watched his fights, right? And everybody's seen. That that head on the outside single where he steps behind their leg, their base leg and dumps them. Nobody's been able to stop the damn thing. And you know you you know it's coming, but can you stop it? Do you have an answer? And oddly enough, I think Thembo, the answer, Garimbo, is going to get himself a uh, another decision or possibly a submission win here against Pete Rodriguez. I'm seeing a lot of love for in the market for Pete Rodriguez, and I, I clearly think it's because you know the hands are alive for a knockout. Hands are so live for a knockout. His combinations are great. You saw what he just did to Mike Jackson by throwing the knee amidst a beautiful combination. You know, he's landing some strikes against Jack Della Maddalena, who just completely outclasses him. You go throughout his career, you see that there are, you know, beautiful KO victories. He does get taken down in some of his regional fights. But if he does get back up, he throws those hammers. And a lot of times those opponents just fall and crumble to the power that Pete Rodriguez possesses. So... Um, you know, I, I do, I think he's a bad underdog. No, do I think that he's a GPP dart throw? Absolutely. And that's the, that's the category I place him at 7,000 high upside for a finish. If he wins, I don't necessarily think that if, you know, I almost think that he's a finish only type of fighter. I don't think that he can win a decision and perhaps I'll be proven wrong, but Thema Grimbo's ability to, to, you know, work for takedowns and also incorporate some submissions and, you know, we saw him take down A.J. Fletcher, who I actually think has a really good ground game, and then like over and over and then ended up getting submitted. But look what he did to Takashi Sato, who, you know, has a great judoka background, always been able to get taken down from a wrestling standpoint. Very good striker. He dropped him with a right hand. He he just outworked him. And even if he was taken down and put in a bad spot, I saw the things that made me go, okay, Nice. Check mark. Check mark. I feel like an MMA scout where like I, when I see them do the correct things that are fundamentals, it really you know brings a smile to my face. The guy didn't he 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 went for an underhook from the bottom. Shit that you should be doing in beginner and intermediate class, you know, without even question. But a lot of times these guys in UFC and Bellator alike, just on, on the high end, they just don't. They 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 make some simple mistakes and I made simple mistakes a lot throughout my early career, but I fixed them. And I think Themo Grimbo is just going to have such a gap in wrestling skill here against Pete Rodriguez that I think he's going to put up a hell of a score. One way or another, I, I don't see how this fight isn't optimal one way or another. I mean, maybe Grimbo just wins a decision, scores like 98, 100 fantasy points, and we got some other quick wins. Um, but I think that he's a pretty solid play. So I, I like him here at 9,200. 
Yeah, if you want to take Pete Rodriguez, win via knockout, plus 275 is a number that I'm seeing there. And uh, Pete Rodriguez did, did make weight. He's had some uh, weigh-in issues uh, since coming into uh, the UFC. By the way, Luana Carolina is the only fighter who has missed weight. She missed weight by three pounds here. And uh, the Thimba Garimbo one-and-a-half takedown prop is, is, is a little interesting to me in, in terms of this one, okay. Pete. Um, and, uh, you know... The 95 and a half fantasy score, I, I mean, if you think he's going to go out there and get a finish in the first, second round, he should be able to hit that number. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd really want to touch the 24 and a half significant strikes just because, you know, if this thing gets done quick, I don't think he gets to that number. Uh, next up, we got uh, Builder versus Lee. Lee is a minus 155 betting favorite, plus 130 for Builder. Builder, 7,900 DK14 on FanDuel. And for Lee, he is $8,316. Yeah, I mean, this fight's very interesting and very interesting and difficult for me to pick um i tend to think it goes long though i tend to think that this fight ends up going 15 minutes and isn't a necessity for your gpp lineups hopefully it doesn't go 15 minutes with crazy volume or crazy takedowns um but uh, if takedowns were to occur i would believe that blake builder who has a great grappling pedigree um solid boxing uh, he would be the one initiating the takedowns. I would think that the Korean Tiger, uh, Jung Young Lee, would be staying on the outside, looking to counter strike, land that beautiful right hand that he has. Um, you know, on the regional scene and up until the road to the UFC, you saw when he lands that right hand, he shuts people's lights off. And uh, you know, Blake Builder throughout his regional career, we we saw against Regivaldo Carvalho, he was knocked down numerous times i think honestly jason i think it's like four or five times he was knocked down in that fight and then ultimately came back and got a ko tko himself um but it's it's pretty weird to get knocked down that many times against against in one fight perhaps you're just not seeing the shots um i tend to think the speed advantage is going to be there for jung young lee five foot ten 73 inch reach against 68 inch reach for builder I think that Jung Young Lee on the outside is just going to uh, work his way to to winning the better moments of the fight. Um, do I like him if he gets into a grappling exchange with Blake Builder? Not necessarily. Jung Young Lee has thrown up some awesome submission attempts in his own right, but I do think that Blake Builder will be too wise and too slick when it comes to the jiu-jitsu uh, to get caught by anything Jung Young Lee throws up. So, uh Give me Jung Young Lee to uh, to win two of the three rounds in a hard-fought decision in a hell of a fight. Um, but I don't hate the Blake Builder underdog call. I mean, truthfully, I mean, like, you know, international talent sometimes struggles inside, you know, the UFC. And uh, every now and then we, we, we see an international superstar. And Jung Young Lee could be that guy. I wasn't all that impressed with his previous performance against Yi Jia that went to a split, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think if you look at an ownership play, I think on either side of this one, if you if you think it's going to invite finish, I do, I do like it from an ownership play over there, and uh, I would say over on Prize Picks, I probably would like the over 12 and a, 12 and a half fight time minutes on this one, just because I'm like you, I do think this is like going to go fifteen minutes. Now we got next up, we got uh, Storolinko and Carolina, Carolina plus one twenty five betting underdog minus one fifty four Storolinko, Storolinko a two hundred on DK fifteen on Fanduel, Carolina is eight thousand on DK fifteen dollars on Fanduel, as I just mentioned uh carolina has missed weight by three pounds yeah and i actually think it'll help her right like i mean like we we don't necessarily know the ins and outs behind weight misses i i'm telling you right now jason and i know that they're strategic from time to time but i i almost think like 
from a promotion standpoint, like you got to be careful. You got to be careful because you don't want to give the promotion any reason to let you go. Um, in women's MMA, I tend to think that you have uh, a little bit more of a chance to stay around because of the lack of depth of the division. Um, Luana Carolina, pretty difficult to get to take down. Pretty tall for the division. She stands at five. It's crazy. She, she's only listed as five six, but when you watch her, she she looks like she's much taller than that. And fighters tend to struggle to get underneath her. I mean, a fighter with an incredible wrestling pedigree and Lupita Godinez struggled to take her down. And you you saw Luana Carolina pick up a unanimous decision in that fight. Has a split win over Poliana Botelho. Uh, got knocked out by that spin and elbow by Molly McCann. Uh, hard fought, lost to Joanne Calderwood. Um, and then most recently, a, a decision win over Ivana Petrovic, who had hype coming into the UFC, but... That's why I always say I always say battle tested in the UFC will always get my lean. Um, you have the one trick pony in Yulia Stoliarenko with the with the incredible armbar attempts, the very good jiu-jitsu, very hittable on the feet, um, and volatile cardio. Like that that's something that I can honestly say where it's like she looks really good if she's not met with resistance. If she's met with resistance, she tends to fall apart, and the wheels fall off fast. Uh, I saw that against Julia Avila, which was two years ago. Alexis Davis at that time shouldn't necessarily be beating you. Uh, picked up the, the armbar finish over Jessica Rose Clark, whose fight IQ is completely absent. Chelsea Chandler fight is where it's like she got bullied against a bigger fighter who just gave her some resistance, didn't didn't fall for the armbar. Um, and then Molly McCann just – I've talked about Molly McCann's fight IQ, so – you know, I think this fight's optimal. I, I think this fight's probably optimal, and that's that's not necessarily saying anything that's you know crazy. It's the price point, eighty two hundred, eight thousand. Hard to get away from the fight. Tons of volatility. If you think Stoliarenko finds an armbar, eighty two hundred, she's an excellent play. I tend to think Luana maybe gets put in a bad position, survives, defends some takedowns. Um, and then starts out voluming her on the feet or possibly picks up a KO, TKO. But I know that she doesn't have a lot of stopping power behind her shots. So I'll lean with a Carolina decision, 8,000. Um, you know, maybe somehow this fight doesn't turn out to be optimal. But I, I think that, you know, it's a very difficult fight that the under is probably most likely hitting. And this may be the leverage play of the week. In terms yeah. of when you look at where ownership is sitting at right now, it's potentially where the leverage is at here. Um, I don't really love anything on Price Picks. Storolinko, 45 and a half significant strikes, 12 and a half fight time minutes, a fancy score of 66 and a half. I mean, look, it, it's, if you tell me this thing is going to hit the map, I love Julian Storolinko. If you tell me this thing is going to hit the map, but like, Pete, this is low level women's UFC competition here. I mean, and ugh. very low level. I mean, it's just it's tough to have a lot of confidence in it, but unfortunately, I think we might have to roster here. Next up, we got Quinones taking on Medeiros. Medeiros minus one thirty five, plus one fifteen for Quinones. Quinones seventy seven hundred DK, fifteen on Fanduel, and for Marquell, he is eighty five hundred DK and sixteen dollars on Fanduel. Yeah, so th this is probably going to be a very popular underdog pick for most people, and it's going to be Lana Quinones because of how he impressed us all and how he stepped up against Nazra Hakparast on short notice. Uh, it was four months ago. He went 15 minutes with him, but boy, oh boy, did he bring it. He brought it to him, and he didn't quit, which is something that's like, 
it, it's pretty impressive against a guy, Nazarat Hakparast, who's knocked out plenty of people, Jamie Malarkey most recently. So it's like you have Quinones, who scored 61 fantasy points in a loss, landed 148 significant strikes, threw 152. Um, so it's like, you know, it, it's it's crazy that what the volume that Quinones put out there, but largely due to because Nazarat Hakparast is so boxing-oriented and boxing-heavy that Quinones just kind of, you know, mix it up, threw tons of kicks, chopped away, and, you know, it's pretty obvious to, to – protect your face and shell up and see the hands coming. Uh, Nazrat's striking is somewhat limited despite being effective. Um, and I think that's why we had we saw Quinones look so damn good. Um, you know, you have Marquel uh, Maderos here coming in from Factory X Muay Thai, which is a, an excellent gym. And I think my new thing, I'm going back to how I used to be, is I'm hesitant to get behind people who are making their debut. In the UFC, like almost, I'll almost always pick the other guy, and it's because there's a lot into you know making your UFC debut. You know, your octagon jitters. Have you fought anybody who's actually going to give you resistance and, and give you a fight? Um, are you just fighting, you know, people that are going to fall down for you? Um, you know, like Quinones, I look at his record, and the Nazrat Hakprost fighter was clearly the best guy that he's fought. You know, he got submitted relatively quickly uh, you know, against Jason Knight on the Ultimate Fighter. I'm sure that he learned a lot on the Ultimate Fighter experience. But, like, Markel Medeiros comes from Factory X, training with top-level guys on a day-in and day-out. And this is somebody that they've been talking extremely high of. Um, hopefully it's not just coach speak and it's real. So <laughs> I'll be picking Markel Medeiros to actually win a decision here. And the reason being is because I know that Quinones looked really good in his – in his UFC debut against uh, Nasrat, but I think it's because his opponent wasn't mixing in leg, leg kicks. Markel is a fantastic leg kicker, and he switches stances, so I don't have to worry about him being so dependent on one side. He throws good hands, and he chops away at the leg kicks a lot, and it's something that I actually think Quinones could struggle with, and that could l really limit the volume, and I think it can hurt Quinones. Um so I'll be picking Markel. I know he's making his debut and everything I just said, but I'll be leaning in Markel's direction to win a, a decision. Don't hate the Quinones underdog call to kind of fill your lineup, but I'll probably be relatively underweight to this fight, thinking it goes 15 minutes. Yeah, I'm with you there. Over on Prize Picks, uh, Madero's uh, six six and a half strikes landed, twelve and a half fight time minutes, ninety three and a half fantasy score. I think that fight time is where you attacked uh, this one in terms of this matchup. Then we got a heavyweight matchup, which I already know what Pete's thoughts are, and it's going to be kind of interesting to see what kind of uh, dialogue we have here. We got uh, Jamal Pogues taking on Thomas Peterson. Peterson minus one seventy, Pogues plus one forty, Pogues seventy five hundred on DK, thirteen dollars on Fanduel for Peterson. He's a seven hundred on DK and seventeen dollars. On Fanduel, yeah, I'll tell you what, man. I was all about Stephen. Uh, what is this? I said Stephen Peterson. No, I don't ever want to talk about Stephen Peterson again because Stephen Peterson let me down. It's Thomas Peterson against Jamal Pokes. Um, but yeah, man, like Thomas Peterson is a fantastic, fantastic wrestler, uh, a JUCO national t uh, champion. Um, he does what I make all of my heavyweights do, and and what I kind of advocate in our gym. It's Stop trying to shoot big double leg takedowns. Stop trying to muscle everything against heavyweights because if you if you end up underneath a heavyweight's hips, that's the worst place to be. They spin around, they land ground and pound, it's over. The fight's going to be done. Um, 
what you should do is you should test the balance of all these heavyweights and even light heavyweights. Test the balance. Attack with single leg takedowns. And guess what? Thomas Peterson has done that within his career. He's done that over and over and over. We saw it on, uh, on Dana White's Contender Series. Granted, I did not like his opponent, uh, Chandler Cole, in that matchup. Uh, Thomas Peterson just goes for a single leg. He'll treetop it. Sometimes he'll run the pipe. But like, I just love the fact that he's going single first instead of just going shooting a double leg or just trying to engage in an upper body type of wrestling. Um, my issue is that there are limitations to Peterson, and this is his UFC debut. Um, and he doesn't necessarily come from a really touted gym. I, I know that he has one big training partner who's really good. And he's also trained with a guy who's uh, a former Olympian within his area um, in Minnesota, you know, in, in prep for this. But I, I just think from like an MMA standpoint, he doesn't have an MMA guy of Jamal Pogue's caliber to train with or compete against. Um, he takes people down, and when he takes them down, he's able to land ground and pound and finish them relatively quickly. Um, he took Waldo Cortez Acosta down numerous times. Um, and then started showboating and ended up getting knocked out and dropped in round three of their bout, which was a year and nine months ago. So I'm not in love with his striking. I, I think that he's okay. He strikes enough into his takedowns. It's just what happens if he's forced to stand up? I know Jamal Pogues let me down and let other people down against Mick Parkin. I don't even remember who I was on that fight, but I just remember he just looked terrible. And previous to that, he looked excellent against Josh Parisian, landing beautiful takedowns over and over and over. He can offensively wrestle. Uh, he's also a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He's also fought top-tier competition throughout his throughout his uh, entire uh, career. Alex Polizzi, uh, Mick Parkin, Josh Parisian, Jared Vandera multiple times on the regional scene. So I think that a guy who's trained under Joe Stevenson for a long part now a part of uh, the my favorite gym, Syndicate. Uh, I actually think that he's going to pull this off. Uh, and it takes a lot for me to back somebody who is uh, a part of Syndicate MMA. But I almost think Thomas Peterson coming in as a favorite, I think he's a little too green for this, for this fight. I think he's a little too green. You put Thomas Peterson in there against Josh Parisian, I'm picking, I'm picking Thomas Peterson. Jamal Pogues. His striking's really good, man. Like he throws good, good hands and good kicks, good knees. I think Pogues is going to do it, and, and I think that at his price point, it allows a lot of flexibility for us to get to some of these top tier options and maybe two of them. So if I'm wrong, okay. But you always, you always hear me say main event, co-main event, underdogs, women's MMA and heavyweight MMA. And guess what? Heavyweight MMA underdog Jamal Pogues for the win. Let's go, Stormtrooper. Ugh. Ugh. I'm doing it. I I don't want to get to really either side of this one. I, I really don't. Like to me, this is this is a, the lower twenty percent of, of the UFC heavyweight division. I was like, you, you mentioned Chandler Cole's name. Like I have a great relationship with Chandler. Sorry, I didn't mean to shit. No, 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 no. 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 I'll, I'll tell you. I can't tell you how many times Chandler's told me he's going to cut down two hundred five. He's going. He, I've had managers tell me Chandler Cole should be trying to cut down one hundred eighty five pounds. Yeah. No, yeah, man. These guys in this you know, weight but class, he's just like, he's not he's not at this level. He's just look. It's discipline I, 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 and it's also just like you know, I, like I, a, if these guys are used to being big, it's tough for them. 
I, I love talking to Chandler, but not a good resume. Right. And that's what I'm saying. And like, I, I think, I, Pete, you you know what I'm inferring here? It, yeah. Not a good strength of schedule. And right. it, it's like just Thomas one of those things. That was a great win. So, like, for me, I don't know. I, I think, like, it's yeah. not necessarily been cupcake matchups for Thomas Peterson, but what happens when he's with a guy that's not necessarily going to fall down? Yeah. I, and I, I don't think Posey's going to fall down. The price point is what just concerns me. The 8700 price tag. And, and even, I mean, I feel like this should be more of like, Eighty three seventy nine, agree, agree. You know, and, and eighty three seventy nine, like I'd be like, okay, all right, it's heavyweights, uh, but this price point, that 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 the price point's what scares me. Uh, by the way, Thomas Peterson's takedown prop is at two over at Prize Picks. By the way, Samuel, I appreciate your super chat. We'll get to your super chat here in a moment. Let's get to our straight up fight picks here first. The main event, I'm gonna go Imovov. Imovov, give me McConnell in the co-main. Moicano. I will go Brown. Brown. Silva. Silva. Kizarev. Uh, yes, Kizarev for me. Uh, Urbina. Urbina. Give me underdog number one, Diana Belbitsa. Dude, I can't believe we're on the same page. Diana Belbitsa for me too. I don't care if I'm wrong. They, they. By the way, they did a stare down, and McCann would not do a stare down with her. She would. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. I don't know, maybe there's a little bad blood She's there. She's scared, bro. She's uh, scared. I'll go Azat. Azat Maxim. Garimbo. Garimbo. Give me underdog number two in Blake Builder. I don't hate it. I, I don't hate it. I'm going to go Lee. I'll go Storolenko. Ooh. Going Carolina. Uh, Medeiros. Medeiros. Peterson. Pogues, baby. Pogues. Pogues to the top. Uh, I want to get uh, Sam's super chat, super chat in here first. Uh, Sam, as always, I appreciate. He says, uh, "Thanks for the content, the great work, guys. Can you guys be able to pri- be able to rank fights to prioritize?" Um, just kind of looking at the fight card. I mean, I'm just going top to bottom from the first fight on all the way up. Um, Storlink with Carolina. I don't know if I put that in the prioritize just because, man, it is it's a low level women in May. Uh, Garimbo Rodriguez, I think a, a fight you have to prioritize. Um, and then you got like then you got some takedowns: Azat, Urbina. Yeah. Okay. For me, dude, how the hell is the co-main event not a priority? It's got to be. Yeah, it's yeah. October. It has to be number one for me. After that. If I'm being honest, what is what is number two? I think it's the first fight of the night. I think it's Thomas uh, Peterson against Jamal Pogues, Jason's favorite. And I know that that's why you're saying no, but I think it is. One uh, way or another, right? Uh, Massive takedown into a grounded pound, or you got a guy who stuffs the takedowns and beats the hell out of uh, Thomas Peterson on the feet, knocks his ass out. I think one way or another, that first uh, fight of the night. Ugh. God, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if I can really get there. I really don't know if I can get there. <laughs> I just, I'm I, loving it. Making me, made me choke up over here. <laughs> so, I don't know if I can get into it. <laughs> Jason, Jason's gonna croak if he has to roster the first fight of the night. Relax. Oh dude. man, I, I, I literally like. I think this will be when I go into Cruncher. I think this is gonna be one of those cards I really kind of go heavy in on in terms of really set up a lot of rules. 
um, setting up exposures. And, and sometimes, and, and I, I, I overthink it to wait. The reason I don't like doing it is because I think I overthink it way too much when I'm trying to do oh. multi-entries. 100%. And, like, it's tough to – I'll tell you right now. It's tough to do cru- – it's tough to crunch lineups and prioritize 20. It's it's not that difficult to crunch lineups I, and get, find 150 that you're okay. I'm kind of I'm kind of like spread out how I want to be, but like you tell me pick your best 20 lineups and I just made 500 or I made 150. That's tough. That is tough. I will tell you. So tomorrow when it'll it'll probably either be tonight or tomorrow morning when I start kind of building out all my lineups. Uh, what I will do is I will do what I, I call is my version of a dummy crunch, and my dummy crunch is I don't put anything in. The only thing I put in there is two unique fighters per lineup and 20% randomness. And then I will ask it to spit out a thousand lineups. And then I, then I, I just, I, th- that's how I start my process. I don't know how everyone else starts their process. That's how I start my process and how I kind of start dwindling things down. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't hate it at all. I mean, that's, you have to try to figure out what the field's going to be at. Yeah. Um, I, I, and, and like I want to see what are I, I want to start seeing what are popular combination what are the two and three fighters that are are coming up in a majority of my lineups and and then also of course you know you know comparison what we're seeing with ownership projections of course if you check the show notes the, the show description here on YouTube uh, we got some great offers over there it's a great way to show your support for the channel help us uh, keep continuing to grow this channel but that that's kind of that's how I do things. And, and everyone's going to have their own way of how they develop their rosters. But that, for me, uh, that is something that I do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great process. Thank you, Sam, for the, for the uh, super chat. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Always happy to answer your questions. And you guys could help us get over, get over 100 likes. The channel's taken off. We're doing well. We appreciate it. The Discord channel's taken off as well. We're trying to still shoot for over 1,000 subscribers. Um, I, it's not definite, Jason, but... I actually might be available for this weekend, and I might just throw on my Twitch and, and possibly do like okay. a watch along. I, I might do a watch along. Jason and I have always talked about doing it together, um, but may, I might be able to do that towards maybe the main card. We'll we'll see how the family time's going and everything. But if you guys are interested, you could always uh, tune into the Discord channel and, and join my Twitch at PT Heat MMA. Uh, let's get some questions here from uh, Discord. Up first, value plays are 8K on DraftKings and Core 3 on DraftKings. I think when you look at value underneath 8K, it's got to start Drew Dober, right? Yeah, yeah it has to. Um, just be given what I think is going to happen for that fight. It's got to start with Drew Dober. Belbitza, you got to look at her potentially. Puncher's chance in Pete Rodriguez. Um, and I say Jamal Polk's dude. I, I know you hate it, but it is heavyweight, and you know how heavyweight. I know. I, 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 I completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, first off, I might have a heart attack because you're back in the syndicate MMA fighter. I mean, first uh, off, if I croak tomorrow, where I'll blame Pete because it's Pete's fault because yeah. he's back in syndicate MMA fighter. <laughs> that is true, but you know, I don't know why I'm backing him, and and I hate that gym so much. Um, he's training with somebody who. I actually think can help him out a lot in this. And it's Carl Williams. Carl Williams is a guy that has a ton of takedowns. And you're seeing a lot of these guys that reside in Vegas. They don't even necessarily say that they're a part of gyms anymore. They're just at the PI. And they're at the PI sparring all the time. And 
Jamal Pogues and Carl Williams. Carl Williams shoots like 15 takedowns a fight. Yeah. So get him in. Get him in. Get these rounds in. Prepare for this Peterson guy and defend sprawl and brawl, baby. Uh, in terms of uh, core plays for me, I, I think for me it starts with Garembo would be my number one core play. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, I think it's it's probably Hinato Mancana would be number two for me just because of, yeah. of the price point. But I also understand the volatility that's in that matchup. And then if I was going to look at a third, I think it may be Hazat just because of the takedown potential there. I'm a little bit lighter to him than I think that than you're going to be. I understand the crazy takedown potential. Um, hear me out though, right? Like Azat Maxim, he had three take uh, two takedowns in the previous fight with no control time. His output was shit. He scored fifty nine fantasy points, priced at ninety six hundred. Let's say he gets six takedowns, but Charles Johnson keeps getting back up. I just don't necessarily know. I don't know. Some guys are really control-oriented, and I don't necessarily see that. I probably like the fighter who's $100 less and Ali Ashab Hizriyev just a little bit more personally, but there's an argument for both. Oh, look, I mean, you look at two guys that have were really able to take Charles Johnson down, both guys who are who are definitely number one grapplers. Muhammad Kaev took him down 12 times in three rounds. Cody Durden took him down 11 times. Ode Osborne took him down three times. Uh, and then uh, Rafael in his last fight took him down three times as well. I mean, look, it's to me, it's just a, it's just that takedown upside in terms of there. Uh, fa- uh, we just kind of mentioned core plays. Favorite inside the distance fights. I would say Garimbo Rodriguez would be number one for me. Yep. Co-main event. Yeah. I mean, you might have to look at that first fight of the night, too. Oh, we've convinced them. Look, look I just don't feel good about it. I just don't feel you good about it. You gotta feel good it. about it. Just... just- you put them in your lineup and close your eyes. Make it 8,200, 8,000. I feel much more better myself. Like, I just feel like I, I, I would sit there and say, I would rather spend up $100, $200 more to get somebody else than take Thomas Peterson. Yeah, that's why you got to go with Pokes. You just proved my I, point. Uh, <laughs> but but I would rather, there's other 7,000 options I would take chances <laughs> on too that might, might, might make me feel a little bit better. Um, uh, you know, uh, favorite underdogs. Um, I mentioned about um, Belbitza. Uh, she's she's one that 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 somewhat. Um, I think Roman Delize as an underdog is not a bad bad play either. No, it's not a bad play. It's just that fight, right? Like, if if Delize wins the decision, he's much more likely to be optimal than if Imovov wins the decision. Clearly, uh, given the price discount. It's just a fight I don't have a great read on, and I'm okay with saying that, and I think that he will be the bull at times, and Imabob will be the, the matador, but if they get in the clinch, I do think that Delize is much stronger. I, I do. Who has the better cardio? I think it's a slight lean towards Imabob, but it's just not a great fight for me, but man, I've been wrong in almost every single Roman Delize fight, and I'm no problem telling you guys when I'm right or when I'm wrong. Yeah, um, in, in terms of uh, uh, favorite parlay plays of the week, um, I would I would probably be looking at teaming up someone like Garimbo, Maxim. 
I'm trying to find someone who has some decent odds. I mean, that, that's a problem. I mean, um, and maybe I mean, Imovov. Natalia, my... Natalia Silva's a massive play, but like <sighs> I, she's I, almost unplayable everywhere, right? I, I think that's prop hunting. I think if you're if you want to look at Natalia Silva, I think you have to be go, going prop hunting. I, just taking that huge minus three seventy. Uh, I've big done number. worse. I've done worse, but I mean, like her, she's most likely winning decision. So yeah, I, I'd probably just take her to win via decision. Uh, Samuel's road to the mansion seven and a half. I'll say less. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think it's a bad number. I think it's somewhere in that six to eight range, most likely. I mean, it's what thirteen fights. Yeah, I think it's I think it's seven finishes. That's a lot, man. We yeah, tend to it, kind of overweight finishes, but. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot that's in there. Uh, get some uh, questions that have come in over here on YouTube, and then we'll wrap this show up here. Sam uh, says, "I'm telling first fight is going to determine DFS overall winnings." Sam, I go. hope that I hope the hell you're wrong. I hope you're wrong because <laughs> if that's the case, it may it may not be a good night for me. But I, but I have not. To, I was just I was just trying to get in fancy country. Couldn't get into it. Um, right. So, yeah, uh, let's see here. Ryan says, top three MVP options over on FanDuel. Uh, so, I mean, look, I like Grimbo, but, man, he's going he's gonna to have big ownership. Um, to me, it's getting if you, it's getting away from a couple of fighters in this one, getting away from Grimbo, getting away from Hinato Mancano, and then uh, Gil Urbina. I think anywhere else you go there. So, like, if I was going to label three of them out there, to me it would be Grimbo. I think Hazat because he could mat, he could rake up some points, um, and maybe Randy Brown's a sneaky MVP tomorrow. I told you, bro, and Randy Brown. I love me. I love me some Randy Brown. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to MVPs, you can get a little bit bullish with it, um, especially I, yeah. if you have a. I mean, I, I know we've kind of talked about you know some of these prize pools over at FanDuel, but I, I just think it, it really comes down to and, and and this is even if you're playing the co- captain contest on DraftKings, if you're getting those multi entries, I, I think the way I play those contests, Pete, is it's primarily based on how many entries am I putting in. You know, if if I'm only putting in a single bullet or five or ten entries, I get way more crazy with with how I put my lineups in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, and you're you're hitting the nail right on its head. It's like you have to determine what's the likelihood of you winning with X amount of lineups. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 sometimes I've just done single bullets and I've taken down a Jeep. Like my best win, I think I I it was the only lineup I put in it was a single bullet and I took third in an NBA contest and and won a lot of money. So it's like. Sometimes you just get the right bounces in some of these close fights, and and that's all we need. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's I, I have found myself playing more captain contests on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just say, hey, I'll, I'll take that ten k. You know, you know, I mean, I'll take ten k. I mean, yeah, I'd love to win hundred k, no doubt about it. Who doesn't want to win hundred k? You know, hundred k can solve a lot of problems real quick. <laughs> it sure could. I, I'm I'm waiting to get a big big one. Like that's. I, I feel like we've been playing this game for so long. It's it's getting difficult. It really is. But, I mean, I, I still think that the IQ edge and just knowing the game more, like we actually know the fight game, sometimes it, it can be a hindrance and it also can help. But I, I, I definitely think that we're, we're, we're due. We're all due here yeah. at, with this channel. 
And I would say this, and of course we've got our DraftKings contest, and the way I play our Fight HQ contest, I play that with more of a cash mindset than a yeah. GPP mindset. Yeah, you're smart because we all play like GPP, and then you end up freaking winning. <laughs> yeah, that, that was uh, the next morning I woke up and go, oh, oh. Yeah. Will yep, you get that? Exactly. Will you get that notification from DraftKings? You have been credited. Yeah, right. It's not, yeah. I mean, you, you, you've been killing it, and everybody else that's been a part of the community killing it as well. I, you see me at the bottom all the damn time. Yeah, so it, it's I'm I'm interested. And look, this was a totally a listener-suggested thing of, of keeping yeah. track. And uh, maybe we'll have to come up with some kind of cool prize at the end of the year for whoever. Uh, maybe, maybe we do something for top three prizes, try to maybe come up with something cool to give away here. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to see because it, it's one of those things where I feel like if you're in that four – if you average around 400 points every week, you're going to be at the top, I think. Yeah, I mean, the the some some weeks some people – have the optimals in our in our contest and that's yeah. what i'm saying like i hope you guys are putting those lineups in other contests because you guys are are sharp at times yeah no doubt about it but of course as always we appreciate everyone tuning in of course if you're not on our score channel totally free join great conversation we have in there as i mentioned we got that draft king contest all the links are uh, below as well also we got some offers for you, you can take advantage of as well so as always we appreciate that we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the fight hq podcast anything uh pete you want to leave us with no, just want to say thank you guys. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. Um, just hit that like button before you head out. You know, recommend the channel to other people that you know. Uh, help us get those subscribers up, and uh, we appreciate you guys. And talk to you guys in their Discord. And that, of course, that's going to wrap it up for us. Of course, you can also check us out on the podcasting platforms as well: Apple Podcast, Spotify. If you prefer to uh, take in the show on the audio side of the equation, and we will be back next week. We've got another fight night card coming up next week before we get into UFC. 298.